Hello and welcome to another episode of Community Conversations, the podcast for those who have a heart for helping others. I'm Michael, the producer for Community Conversations, and today Pietro and I are together to record our first podcast for 2022, which is our third season. Welcome to the podcast, Pietro. Thanks, Michael. It's hard to believe, actually, that we're commencing season number three because so much has happened over the last couple of years and we've had some amazing guests on the program. Aside from hearing from you during the introductions of each of our episodes, we haven't heard, we actually don't hear much about you on the podcast itself. So I'm actually looking forward to hearing what you've got to share with us today. Thanks, mate. Tell our listeners uh, how the episode's going to roll. Well, this is how we're going to do it. So in this episode, we're going to record in two parts. And to kick us off, I'm going to ask you about the three podcasts that particularly stood out for you in the first season, which was in 2020. And then you'll ask me to review the three podcasts from last year, 2021. But to help keep the episode shorter, we're going to record it in two parts. So let's kick off, Mick. Which of the first three of your podcasts from 2020 are we going to review first? So the first podcast that I'm going to review is about Zoe's Place. And, uh, and what I love about Zoe's Place is that they are an organisation that is advocating for women, men and families who have experienced an unplanned pregnancy. So about Zoe's Place, why did you actually choose this one? Well, the reason I chose that one is because I remember at the time the law, Abortion Law Reform Act 2019 was very topical. And I guess over the years, I had heard from women who had regretted having an abortion. And so with Zoe's Place being somewhere to get support in decision making, I, I, I thought it's good for, uh, for women, men and families to be able to go there and, uh, and get unbiased advice. So what happened next then, Mick? Well, I, I met with Selena and I learned so much about Zoe's Place. And in this episode, we cover so much about what Zoe's Place does. But let's, uh, let's kick off and have a little listen to uh, what, a little bit about what Selena has to say. Even being able to talk about it can often be the, um, the valve that unleashes the pressure that people feel. You know, there's pressure often to make a decision, a quick decision. And so to have a space where you can actually feel like, oh, time slows down and we've got time to actually take, to gain information, to gain support around a tough decision for some people. We get lots of questions coming in from online or phoning in um, about, oh, I've just discovered I'm pregnant or I've missed my period, what do I do now? And so Zoe's Place offers um, free pregnancy testing so a person can come in, a woman can come in and get um, a free pregnancy test and we can talk about the results on that. So then um, the next step is to then talk about, okay, well, what are your options? Some women come in and they're, they already know that they're eight weeks pregnant. And so your options change the further along your pregnancy goes. So it's really important to understand what your options are. I guess that tagline, a place to pause, it's like a place where um, time stands still because often a person comes in pressured by time. Oh, I, I, I need to make a decision and I need to make it quickly. So by just slowing down the process really just helps to come to a, a well-informed decision. Can you tell me uh, why you chose that clip? Yeah, I, I really like the approach um, to slow the process down. Selena says very clearly that the options change as time goes on, but when a client first presents, commencing a process where the counsellors take time to find out what's really going on to make sure 
uh, the client is able to make a well-informed decision. I like that. It must be, uh, I can't imagine really how confronting it is for a woman when unsure about many things related to their pregnancy. Um, you know, to be able to front up and take a test and then have someone who is not emotionally connected to the result to be able to discuss things with. The, the other thing I like about Zoe's Place is that the counsellors are trying to see what is directing the heart. And we hear more about this uh, in the next clip. Well, let's play the, uh, the clip and then you can elaborate a bit more. I just want to add the next clip is actually about my own experience when I was 23 years of age, had a girlfriend at the time and uh, we uh, went to an abortion clinic and I asked Selena what advice she would have offered me had she known me at that time. I think to empower somebody is to give them the ability to enact what they really want to do. And I think part of empowering somebody is to educate them in all their options. You know, when we make major decisions in life, whether it's buying a house or having medical treatment, we go to an expert in the field. And so I just think coming to a person that um, can give you relevant information that is non-directive, meaning they're listening to your story and your needs, so it's client-centred. What that also means is that we're listening for your own value system and how we can empower you to make autonomous decisions that align with your values and ethics. I, I really like the approach the, uh, the counsellors take to helping individuals make the right decision for them based on their values and ethics. You know, I just think, you know, often in this world, we're told by lots of media what we should, um, what we should think, what we should feel, how we should behave, you know, particularly at the moment. So I found it refreshing to, to hear the counsellors are much more interested in, in what a person wants, not what they should or shouldn't do, but they explore uh, if there are outside influences dictating actions. Um, now, you know, you might say, well, that's what good counsellors do, and, and, and that'd be fair enough. But irrespective of the decision, what I like is that there's support programs to help clients through the challenges and the outcomes of their decision, and there's no fee attached. I also really like that uh, the example Selena provides that you know, going to see an expert in their field to get unbiased advice, you know, and it doesn't come with the expert price tag because it's awfully paid for, you know, through generous donors and sponsors, um, and it's not government funded. You know, good, good counselling leads to good decision making, and that leads to better relationships with flow on benefits, you know, to, I guess, to the families that support the client. And, and I just believe that, you know, healthy families help to create healthier communities. So that's good for everyone. That's a pretty good wrap, Mick. I'm just wondering, uh, many of our listening audience uh, would be working in the community sector, many of them working with women's services. How do health professionals uh, reach Zoe's place? How do they get in contact with Selena and her, um, her team? Well, look, uh, I guess, you know, health professionals could, could reach out through, uh, through the website um, and through their social channels. Um, I would encourage any anyone who's is in the health profession to to do that to to reach out and contact them. See, um, Carly, who was in the podcast, you know, she went to see the doctor because she had an unplanned pregnancy, and she didn't see her regular doctor, 
And because she didn't see her regular doctor, she got referred to Zoe's place because that doctor knew about Zoe's place. So um, I just think, you know, for doctors, give, give Selena a call, find out a little bit about what they do at, at Zoe's place. And um, yeah, it's, it's just a part of that holistic healthcare, I think. The next podcast that we're going to comment on is about the Mirabelle Foundation and the experience of Melinda Smith, who is a grandparent and she's raising a grandson. Michael, can you tell us why you chose this podcast to review? Um, my wife and Melinda have been friends for uh, close to 15 years and our families have had regular get-togethers during that time, as you'd expect. And so we've sort of seen a little bit of the journey that Melinda has been on. And uh, one day Melinda was at our house and, and I heard Melinda sort of, um, you know, just sharing some thoughts and feelings. And it just occurred to me that our podcast could really help raise the awareness of the Mirabelle Foundation and the plight of kinship carers. Kinship care isn't always grandparents, but as Melinda explains, uh, in most cases she's seen grandparents normally are the carers. Now you have a clip for the uh, Mirabelle podcast. Why don't we play that now and then we'll come back and you can tell us why you chose that particular clip. Yep, so Mirabelle was founded um, 21 years ago now by our CEO, Jane Rowe. Um, Jane was a drug and alcohol counsellor down in Melbourne and it was during the heroin epidemic down there where there, were, there was a lot of overdoses. Um, during that time, Jane was attending a lot of funerals for, for the clients that she was working for and she was seeing these children at the funerals and she, she wondered what happens to the children? Where do they go? Who looks after them? Who cares for them? Um, and from that, Mirabelle was born. So it was born around her kitchen table. She identified that there was a need in the community um, and decided to form Mirabelle. It's just amazing, isn't it? I really appreciate that Jane Rowe saw a need and stepped into a really big gap to make a really big difference for so many families. You know, the saying goes, necessity is the mother of all invention. And unfortunately, this would have to be among the most unfortunate necessities in the world. Um, if, there, if there's a connection to Zoe's place, I imagine it would be uh, comments like, you know, they're druggies, they shouldn't be allowed to have children, and other unhelpful comments like that, you know, and I've, I've heard, unfortunately, I've heard those sorts of things before. But, you know, that's a really slippery slope. And let me share a fact. I know Chase. Chase is Melinda's grandson. I know Chase, and he's a really intelligent, energetic, caring kid, and while the circumstances aren't perfect, Melinda loves Chase, and Chase calls Melinda mum. Now, Melinda used to say to Chase, I'm Nana, I'm not your mum, and then would you know, tell him who his mum is. But Chase persisted to call Melinda mum. So we've heard the saying before, you know, any man can be a father, but it takes a real man to be a dad. And I think the parallel here is that while Melinda is Nana by default, she's mum because Chase says so. And just to go back a little bit, uh, Jane Rowe uh, saw a need and, you know, so many charities start out because someone saw a need and how to help people who are slipping between the cracks. 
and, uh, and saw an opportunity to advocate for them. And Jane Rowe and others who start charities, you know, they're, they're pioneers and champions of the marginalised. And, and I guess yeah, the Mirabelle Foundation is, is the only organisation, do you remember, remember it's, Mirabelle is the only organisation in Australia doing what they do. And in the Newcastle, Central Coast and Hunter Valley area, they are supporting 900 children. And in so doing, they are supporting grandparents like Melinda, who without the support not, might not be able to raise uh, their, their grandchildren. I don't, I don't know the ins and the outs, really, um, but many, if not most, uh, grandparents are probably on a pension. And, you know, it, it's hard enough to raise children, you know, when, you, when you're younger and, you know, you, you might have two parents that are, that are working and, you know, the dual income family. But how much harder is it to raise children on a pension, you know, in, in the latter years of your life, you know, when you should be doing other things? That's a really good point that you make, Michael, about the struggle raising kids on a pension. And Melinda did comment about the financial struggle. I do recall she said or even purchasing stationery and, and textbooks uh, to struggle on grandparents having to raise their grandchildren and also the social challenges uh, that she also faced where she had lost some friends as well. But um, do you recall she ended up finding a group of other like-minded grandparents that she actually were able to support each other. Do you recall a bit about that group? Melinda would say that that was a, a, a defining moment. Finding her, her, her tribe, if you like, because so many of the people who were a part of that grandparents group had been through the process that she was now going through. And so they were able to help her navigate, you know, the court system and, you know, Department of Communities and Justice and, and, and all of that. And, you know, now Melinda, you know, been years down the track, now Melinda is providing that support for other people who are just starting down, down that journey. Yeah, there's a little sense of connection, isn't it, when they all get together, a sense of bonding, um, I like what you, what you shared about Chase um, calling Melinda mum and Melinda having to in, inform her grandson that no, she has a mum. And I think that's beautiful because it, you, that's organic, isn't it? It's organic and it's bonding happening naturally. And it's great to see, given that this is not part of our podcast, but given there's so many children living in out-of-home care, living not with family. Uh, so just out of interest, Michael, how does a person, how, maybe we have listeners today listening to our program for the first time, how do we have grandparents uh, contact? What's the eligibility or is there a vetting process that uh, Mirabelle would, would work with in order to uh, bring on board grandparents and grandkids? Well, I, I guess I'll leave that for Mirabelle to, to comment on, but I guess this is what I would say, and this is what Melinda um, says in the podcast, if you find yourself in this situation, contact Mirabelle because they will help you through the process. And there's a connection there between Mirabelle and, and people who are part of the grandparents group. So uh, when you contact Mirabelle, you know, particularly the, the local office uh, here in Newcastle, yeah, th they can put you in touch with people like Melinda and that grandparents group. And that grandparents group meets, I think, every, I think they meet every Wednesday in Charlestown. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly reach out to Mirabelle because um, they, they, will, they are there to help.
Yeah, and I think uh, I think it's a pretty good uh, pretty good wrap there, Michael, regarding uh, Mirabelle. It gives him a, gives a, gives people a fairly good perspective of uh, maybe uh, people who haven't heard about Mirabelle locally here in the Hunter. Um, certainly, that's one organisation that we would highly recommend and uh, and encourage people to to reach out to. The next episode that you're going to review, you spoke with a lady called Janelle Kabariak and Kim Taylor about their experience connecting with new Australians. And you also spoke to a gentleman called Saeed who came to live in Australia after fleeing Syria. Can you um, elaborate a little bit more on that? One of the things I like most about this podcast is just how practical it is to help people who are vulnerable. There are so many takeaways from this podcast and and I've shared so many stories with others. Uh, At the the heart of it, you know, we're created as relational beings and we can see how by extending kindness, you know, we break down uh, so many barriers. And, And I'll just add into that, you know, people who are coming as refugees have have many barriers just recently actually i I met a fellow from missouri uh, and let's call him todd for the sake of this example Um, and um, since he doesn't know i'm sharing this story uh, you know todd's been living in newcastle for a little while and uh, and he shared with me about uh, some of his experiences helping refugees in this area and there are remarkable similarities between his experience and those of janelle and kim um, that were shared in, in the podcast. So what I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share, share two. The first one, uh, when, when, when Todd and his family were sick with COVID recently, because they had been reaching out into a Muslim community, when they found themselves sick, all of these Muslim people started bringing food and you know all that sort of thing and looking after them. And the the, the story that was shared in the podcast is uh, Janelle said when her husband Michael had to go into hospital, you know, he came home and he was recuperating and Janelle just expressed how they felt really loved and valued and looked after by all of the, I don't know if they're all, all Muslims or, or, or some, you know, whatever, but the refugees, they felt really well looked after and loved by the refugees that they had been helping. So they sort of returned that love. They weren't, Janelle and Michael weren't looking for it, they weren't asking for it, but out of the gratitude, I guess, of these refugees for what Janelle and Michael had contributed to their life, they wanted to sow something back. So secondly, Todd was telling me about his daughter and how she offered to be a mother to a young refugee woman who had lost her mother. And uh, the, the refugee woman was so grateful for the love and the support, you know, because she was pregnant. And, you know, in the podcast, Janelle shared about how she offered to be a mother to Saeed's wife, Sosan, because Sosan had lost um, some of her family or they were um, overseas in Syria. And Janelle realised that, you know, she was old enough to be Sosan's mother. But Janelle said that she had lost her mother uh, during one of her pregnancies. Um, And so I guess out of that compassion that Janelle had, uh, out of the situation that she had found herself in, she was able to reach out to Sosan and offer her that that compassion, that empathy and that that kindness. You know, and in both instances, you know, uh, offering to be a a mother figure 
was warmly and gratefully received via friendship. But before I wrap up on, on, on that, let's have a listen to Janelle and Kim and what motivated them to, to start helping in this community. For me, um, I had heard a little bit about the war in Syria, but not enough for it to really change my world. It wasn't until I saw a clip on, TV, on YouTube about this little boy, baby called Alan, who was washed up on the sea in Greece. That was in 2015. And it was an image that I just couldn't shake. It would, I would wake up at night crying. I would, it would it disturb me. And from that, I just knew I had to do more than just feel sorry about what was happening. So I had my first brilliant idea was to make quilts. And then I, Australia was welcoming refugees. So I thought I'll make quilts for the, the, the refugees coming to Australia. I contacted Mike Baird, uh, who told me to contact other people. And after months and months of being told to ring somebody else, I gave up and then met a lady who was Jean, who was part of Mission Australia. And she asked me if I'd like to volunteer and meet families and go be in their home and welcome them and be their friends. And it was like a six week thing that you would do. So that's how I first met Reem and Saeed. Three and a half years ago, <laughs> I met them. And um, yeah, so it's grown to a beautiful friendship. And they've introduced me to their friends and yeah, so. Kim, tell us about your experience and what drew you to new Australians and working with adolescents in high school? Well, I'm a retired grandma now, but in the 90s, I was a maths and science teacher. Uh, that was my first career. And then my second career, I went into the pharmaceutical industry. And I did that for 20 years. And that suddenly stopped in 2012. I thought, what am I going to do? I, I didn't know what to do. I was lost. And we had the influx of refugees from um, mostly Africa at that time. That was 2013. And a friend of mine told me she'd been to a rotary meeting where they were looking for Aussie people just to sit down and read and, and help the students with their language. And I thought, oh, I can do that. So I went and met somebody else and she said, oh, you're a teacher. So they sent me out to a senior um, high school with year 11 and 12 students. And I volunteered there for 12 months. I used to go and sit in the study center and just help them with their assignments and their language and reading. Um, and after 12 months, they actually gave me a job. So I was going to classes with the students. So I did that for five years and it was fantastic. And I've built some wonderful friendships and I still talk to the students now afterwards. So that's how I got into it. The title of this podcast is called, If You Were a Refugee, What Would You Hope For? The truth is we would all want someone to be the Good Samaritan to us. If anyone listens to any of the three podcasts that I've spoken about, you'll hear how um, people have been moved and felt compelled to do something to be world changers, not necessarily across the globe, but certainly to change the world of the people that they've reached out to through love and kindness. I think um, they actually provide a model we could all learn from. Our podcasts are primarily you know, reaching an audience in the Hutter region of about half a million people, approximately in the Hutter region. Um, if there are people listening today to our podcast, they want to do something, okay? They, they, they understand the you know, new Australians coming, we had Harmony Day, Harmony Day's coming up in March. How can we, even us blokes, how can we demonstrate an act of kindness or in some way reach out to some new Australians? 
Look, I, I think, um, you know, Janelle and Kim expressed it very, uh, very well in, in the podcast. Uh, and as we heard from, uh, as we heard from Kim, it was as simple as, you know, helping with reading or some maths homework. Janelle and Michael uh, used to find furniture for new refugees. And, uh, and Janelle, the networker, you know, she knew who, who was in need. So she would actively go out and, and seek to find the things that those people needed. And then Michael would hook the trailer on the car and, uh, and go pick it up. And that was fantastic because, you know, Michael would uh, take some of the, the fellows with him to go pick up the things. And in doing so, he was developing a relationship with, with these fellows also. What happened over time, there was a bit of a baton change and the you know, new refugees, they started to help other families themselves. So I wouldn't like to put a lid on, on anything about what, what's possible, what you can do. I think, what do you like? What are you into? How do you think you can help? And then, and then look for ways to connect. Uh, Janelle spoke about how she just went into homes and, and was meeting people for the purpose of being a friend. And later on in the, in the podcast, both Janelle and Kim talked about the difficulty of filling out paperwork. You know, and, and if I was to go to Syria, I would be longing for somebody like Janelle or Michael or Kim, you know, to help me to fill out the paperwork and to fit in and know what to do. And so Janelle and Kim and Michael and lots of people like them, they are good Samaritans. That is a fantastic wrap on the three podcasts that, uh, well, we did more, but those three that you've actually highlighted for 2020, which is fantastic. I think underlying everything that we shared here today, the Mirabelle Foundation, Zoe's Place, and also welcoming new refugees, is under, the undercurrent is those have got a heart for helping others, isn't it? Because that's really the essence of what who we are as community uh, workers and, and, and community enthusiasts, is about having a heart for helping others. So, Michael, thank you so much for sharing with our listeners um, your, your take on those three uh, key podcasts. And uh, we're going to call a wrap for 2020. Okay. And we're going to get into... 2021. 2021. And, and on that note, we'll call it a wrap. You've been listening to Community Conversations, the podcast for those who have a heart for helping others. If you have found that anything in this podcast has caused you any distress, please reach out to Lifeline on 13 11 14 or on their SMS 0477 13 11 14.